I'm Andrew Schwartz, and you're listening to The Truth of the Matter, a podcast by CSIS where we break down the top policy issues of the day and talk with the people that can help us best understand what's really going on. To get to the truth of the matter about cybersecurity in the context of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, we have with us Dr. Jim Lewis, who is a senior VP at CSIS and the head of our technology and national security program. Jim, welcome. Thank you for having me on the show, Andrew. So, Jim, so far we haven't seen, or at least not one that we know of, a major cyber attack by the Russians in Ukraine. Why is this? Did they fail to plan properly or like what's going on? It looks like bad planning because bad planning is the hallmark of this invasion. And they probably thought we're going to own the place in two or three days. So let's not trash it. That was a mistake. What I'm waiting to see and what's interesting is that with plan A having failed so badly, they're falling back to plan B. And that also doesn't include cyber attacks. Now, there's a lot of probing and a lot of incidental attacks against infrastructure. Some people say that the Ukrainians and NATO have been good at blocking Russian attacks, but it's not the onslaught we all feared at the beginning. Jim, what could Russia do in the context of this invasion with cyber? Like, What are some of the things they could do to Ukraine that could be damaging, even catastrophic? Could do and would do are different. Let's start with that. Okay. So the Russians are despite all appearances to the contrary, relatively shrewd at calculating what's going to give them benefit. They could turn off the electricity. They could turn off the telephone lines. They could pump out tons of propaganda, which I think they're trying to do. We know they can do this because they did it in 2014. They turned off uh, the electrical grid. So they could do it again. When they took Crimea. Yeah. And a little while after Sometimes the Russians seem to do things because it gives them uh, malicious glee, right? There's no, there's no strategic benefit. But, but so they could do a lot, but they haven't. And whether that's bad planning or they just didn't feel like doing it or they really don't think cyber is such a big deal, we don't know. It's probably a mix of all three. The line out today, you know, and we're talking on Wednesday, March 30th, is that Putin's being misadvised by his top military people, and I'm assuming that would include cyber. Do we have any real evidence of that? It's not clear that anyone is willing to say, hey, hey, boss, this is a bad idea. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a very very (laughs) welcoming environment for- Yeah, and he started the invasion, of course, right before by publicly humiliating his intelligence chief on Russian national television. So there's something going on there. People say the defense minister hasn't been seen for a while. He's probably hiding, right? But bad advice seems to be the hallmark. And I feel I feel a little bit of sympathy for the Russians. I was telling a Russian friend, why didn't you guys call us? We had this line, it'll be like Paris in 1944 when we went into Baghdad. <laughs> I can tell you how that worked out. And why you guys thought it was going to be liberating Ukraine, nuts. But that's what Putin apparently thought. And no one had the nerve, reasonably so. No one had the nerve to tell him it was a dumb idea. And so now Russia seems to be on the ropes a little bit. What's your, what's your take on where they are now and what they, you know, they might do with cyber going forward? The plan B for Russia appears to be what sh- should have been plan A, which is seize the Russian-speaking parts, seize the parts that they'd already occupied and legitimized. Donbass and so forth. Yeah. yeah. 
that would have made a lot more sense. And it was uh, hubris to think they could just stroll in and seize Kiev. Now they've got to take a step back. One thing that I think most people now know is that the benefit of keeping networks up and running, telecom networks, the internet, is there's a huge intelligence advantage. And the Russians are really good at that. So presumably, if you're speaking on any sort of public infrastructure in Ukraine, Vlad is listening in. That might keep them, you know, occupied for a while. They have to make some decisions about how do they gracefully get out of this mess. Now, part of this equation is when it comes to cyber is what about us and what about our allies? Is Russia now drifting into a position where they're, you know, A, Putin needs to save face somehow. B, he continues to be aggressive, even though they're saying they're pulling back and so forth. Are we and our allies in danger of substantial cyber attacks by the Russians? I'm just bored. I had to negotiate on and off with Russians for a long time. I'm just kind of bored with this bellicosity. It's like, it's just threats. It's supposed to scare you and make it easier to get concessions. And it's like, oh, come on, Igor, give me a break. So they make a lot of threats and they're not stupid. Yeah. Uh, they might be crazy, but it's a big deal to go after a NATO country. And NATO, even in cyber, in 2007, the Russians... There was a very ugly statue of a Russian, Russian soldier in the middle of the capital of Estonia. Yes. The Estonians, for aesthetic reasons, decided to remove it. Right. And the Russians told their hackers, do us a favor, give them a hard time for a while. It was frightening for the Estonians because they didn't know if it was the prelude to an invasion. It didn't do any damage. It, you know, it was annoying. But the Estonians said, hey, we're NATO members. What would you do if it had been a real cyber attack? And NATO said, I don't know. And so they've spent the last 15 years with NATO figuring out how they would respond to a cyber attack. And NATO now has agreed that a cyber attack could trigger Article 5, depending on the severity and everything else. And the Russians know this. So cyber attack against NATO or any NATO member, and that includes the U.S., could risk a much broader conflict, one that the Russians would not be able to control, one that could possibly escalate way up the food chain. It's not a risk they want to take. So are we talking about an escalation in cyber world, or are we talking about an escalation that goes beyond that in a kinetic way? I'm a big fan of cyber for espionage purposes. I think it's really swell. Uh, and you can do a lot on the political manipulation side, but as a weapon, it's kind of low budget. And so we're talking about conventional and nuclear weapons, nuclear deterrence. If we had no cyber capabilities, the Russians still would be reluctant to attack NATO because they don't want to risk. The last thing they want is F-35s flying over Ukraine. Right. Why risk that? They know what happened in Syria. Right. So it's nice to have the cyber capabilities. They can be very useful if, they use, if they're used to supplement other military forces. When you talk to the Russians, you say, say, hey, Igor, what are you worried about? And they say cyber is part of a bigger package to achieve strategic effect. UAVs and drones, we've seen that with a vengeance in Ukraine and in Azerbaijan. Precision guided munitions, also very popular. Cyber, electronic warfare, space assets. This is the package that gives you advantage in modern warfare. And the Russians know that we have it probably better than anyone else. 
that gives them pause. Just last night, the president of Estonia said, look, we're glad we're in NATO because no NATO country has ever been attacked. And that's because the Russians, they run the numbers and they decide it's a bad idea. So implicit in what Joe Biden said is that, you know, not one inch of NATO territory can be touched. He also means cyber, correct? He has laid down. So this administration has done a pretty good job. I, I love it because they they didn't say I looked into his eyes and saw his soul. They didn't say press the reset button. In private, the president has been uh, pretty frank uh, with Putin in a couple of their meetings. And I think the Russians are kind of recalculating a little bit. They thought America's in decline. We're not doing so well militarily. Now's our moment to strike. And in retrospect- Bad plan. Bad idea. Yeah. So another bad plan. Yet another to go bad along, plan. To go along with a, a bunch of really bad plans. Biden being frank to Putin about cyber, from the people you talked to, did it resonate? Not clear. There's internal tensions that we don't always see in Russia. And so what I'm told is it's a little speculative, but parts of the Russian government believe there would be an advantage in reopening cyber discussions with the US. It would be a way to rebuild ties. So they've got a little bit of tension there in that they parts of the Russian government clearly want to game the US. I mean, they arrested a few ransomware hackers toss them in jail, probably let them out the next day. Nice symbol. Others think, let's do the minimum to get the Americans to think we're serious and get them talking to us again. So pick one, but it, it at least they sat up and took notice and uh, put a couple of people in jail. What are the Russians best at when it comes to cyber warfare? Apparently, they're not good at planning, but they have the ability to penetrate almost any network they want. They have the ability to think strategically, and that's the Solar Winds episode where right. Aquan company get into a thousand. They have the skill to write the code to both exploit their access and to create leave behinds where there's a tiny piece of code, maybe two or three lines, that makes it easier for them to get in the next time. So the Russians are depending on who you talk to, either a peer or a near peer when it comes to the leading cyber powers. Where's our advantage if we have an advantage over them? And what's the, what's the difference between our capabilities and theirs? We have some advantages in that we have a strong tech sector and the Russians really don't. They have great people, good mathematicians and computer scientists from Moscow State University but they don't have a tech industry. And one thing Putin's adventure has done is destroy what little there was of a Russian tech industry because all, all the people who know this stuff are moving to Europe or moving to China. So I'd say our biggest advantage is we tend to still make many of the things people use. And that gives us not so much insight into how they work, but it, this is a tech culture and Russia is not. Right. And we can work with Microsoft, for instance, on things. We can work with Apple on things. They can't. The American companies are really reluctant to work with uh, the US government because they have a global market. They know global customers are already suspicious of the, them working with the US government. So they try and avoid that as much as possible. So the advantage we have 
by having a tech sector means that we can get people who have worked in the tech sector who then come into, come into government? Is that where the advantage lies? You have advantage in workforce. You have advantage in people being able to go to conferences and get briefed on what the latest developments are. You have a robust press on technology. So NSA can work with universities uh, in basic research. It's, it's just a much more friendly environment. But like in commercial cyber, pl places like Microsoft can identify zero days and make them public and, and, and work with them. That, that's a different thing than when it comes to actually war fighting. So one of the successes of this administration is creating something called JCDC. And yes, it is named after the rock group. And they wanted to call it ACDC and where the lawyers told them they could not. Copyright infringement, yeah. Yeah, Joint Cyber Defense Collective, I think, or Collaborative or something, Center. In any case, uh, it's the leading cybersecurity companies like Microsoft, like FireEye, like others, getting together with DHS, with FBI, and exchanging information, working together. Yeah, that's the cooperation I was wondering about. Yeah, but that's DHS. That's not uh, not on the offensive side. Jim, you talked about how Russia doesn't have much of a tech sector, but it has a bit of a tech sector. What has been some of the impact of this war on the Russian tech sector? The Russians have good tech companies, and they've always suffered from the fact that they're Russian and nobody trusts them. But what the war has done is created powerful incentives for the workforce to move, move out. And so one company, this is sort of the Russian equivalent of Google, a company called Yandex. They've got about 10,000 employees. I'm told 6,000 of them have left to get out of Russia because of the war. So he's trashing the tech sector in his effort to conquer Ukraine. That's incredible. 6,000 out of 10,000 have left Russia? This was a, uh, a source in a position to know who's reported reliably in the past. So, got yeah. it. Well, that, that's pretty astonishing. I mean, what does the owner of the company then say to Putin? Well, what's he going to say? He's going to say, I'd like to go harvest turnips in Siberia. I guess he's no recourse, right? Yeah, no. So try to find some new 6,000 employees. The outflow. So the Russians are really good, but Russians who are smart, energetic, and have skills are all moving. And that will be the long term damage. Jim, you were recently quoted in Politico talking about how the Russians have yet to cut off the internet and cell phone networks in Ukraine. You alluded to this at the top of our discussion, but I guess what I want to ask is, could they still do this and would it be a major blow to Ukraine if they did? Like everything else, they found out it's a harder fight than they expected. So the Ukrainians, with some outside help, have done a pretty good job of defending their networks. If the Russians were willing to put a lot of effort into it, and if they had a little more time, I think they still could overwhelm the defenses. But as with everything else in Ukraine, what they thought was easy turned out to be hard. Now, I'm assuming, you know, we've, we've been very careful to try to help the Ukrainian people as best we can without escalating with Russia. I know that goes for cyber too, but can you sort of describe what that landscape looks like when it comes to us? So NATO, in part of the effort to develop a cyber defense after the Estonian incident, created uh, defense teams. 
you know, and like with everything with NATO, it's the member states who have the capability, but NATO can organize them. NATO can, can provide help. So NATO has its own cyber defense units because their own networks are under constant Russian pressure. So I think it's, it's going and helping the Ukrainians harden their defenses, deal with intrusions, look for vulnerabilities. And one nice thing about this particular aspect of warfare is you don't have to be local to do it. You can sit in Brussels and look at Ukrainian networks. So NATO has a good defensive capability. Could be better, sure, but it's good and apparently it's working okay. What do you think the future of NATO is when it comes to cyber? Do you think that there's going to be a lot more emphasis following this conflict about the same? How do you think things might change because of this conflict? NATO has always had a big emphasis on cyber because it's part of their emerging military technologies and emerging threats effort. And so when the Russians have helped NATO improve when they went after Estonia 15 years ago, in the events in uh, Georgia, in the invasion, remember the little gray men in uh, Ukraine? Sure. And so NATO has had to focus on cyber attacks, asymmetric warfare, largely because of Russia. And I think they'll continue to do that. One of the questions now is we're going to have to take a step back and say, how did people fight? And it may not be the classic tank versus tank battle. It might be tank versus drone, and the drone could win. So NATO will probably have to do some rethinking, but cyber's been a priority for them for years and will remain so. Last question I want to ask you is actually about drones. The assistance the United States has given the Ukrainians with drones has been pretty invaluable. Is there more that we can give that we haven't yet? Well, I'd say the Turks are actually the, the best at this. And the Turks have been supplying, at least for a while, uh, drones to Ukraine in, in ways that really have damaged Russian armor, right? So the Russians, very armor-heavy military. Turks, based on what we saw in Azerbaijan, um, very good at coming up with drones that are... A Middle Eastern general said to me after the Azerbaijan conflict, he said, maybe this shows that we don't need tanks. That was an exaggeration. Um, where the U.S. has helped is in providing the not heavy weapons, but the weapons that are PGMs, that are autonomous, that let the Ukrainians engage the Russians in ways the Russians didn't expect. So when you look at the Javelin or when you look at some of the drones, this was not what the Russians were prepared for. I was thinking there's a movie from the 50s where an American bomber is accidentally launched against Moscow. And I can't, I don't, I think it might be fail safe, but the bomber gets through all the Russian defenses. And at some point in the film, when Air Force General says, we, we could have done it. They're not as good as we thought. <laughs> hey, guess what? They're not as good as we thought. Jim Lewis, thank you very much for this insight. Really invaluable considering what's going on today in Ukraine. I'm sorry if I upset Vlad, but, uh, you know, life's tough. And you've upset him before. He'll get over it, I think. I hope. <laughs> well, you we never know. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out our larger suite of CSIS podcasts. From Into Africa, The Asia Chessboard, China Power, AIDS 2020, The Trade Guys, Smart Women, Smart Power, and more. You can listen to them all on major streaming platforms like iTunes and Spotify. Visit csis.org slash podcasts to see our full catalog 